0: Welcome to Growing in Grace, a weekly program featuring informal conversation to help with growth in understanding the gospel and to live in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. And now, here's the host of Growing in Grace, Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski.
1: Welcome once again to another special edition of Growing in Grace. We're again celebrating our 200th podcast, taking a look at some of the highlights over the last four years. I'm Mike Kapler with Joel Brzezinski. Yeah,
0: thanks, Mike. It's been good to do these programs over the last uh, four years or so. And here we have some more highlights, as you say, from our past programs here on Growing in Grace. If you want to get started, you can anytime. Okay.
1: Hey, hope you're having a great week. Thanks for taking just a few minutes with here. Uh, Let's try that over. Sure. Three, two, one, go. (laughs) A Bible teacher from Alabama, James B. Richards, said that uh, out of all the battles to fight in this life, The most important one that you'll have to fight and it's a lifelong battle and that is the battle of identity Hmm. understanding who you are what you've inherited what you've become because of the completed finished work of Jesus Christ because all, all other battles revolve around this battle of identity if you can start winning that battle then the other battles become much easier
0: you know the book of Hebrews says it is good that the heart be established in grace your father in heaven who began a good work in you he's gonna keep that work going and he's gonna he's gonna finish it he's gonna perfect it let the peace of christ reign in your heart
1: you know what god already has he has made peace with you he has provided peace for us and he says now let that peace the peace of god rule in your heart god is good he's on your side
0: we are the beneficiaries of peace with god
1: God proved even early on that his desire for mankind was to provide nothing but good. I just want people to know who are tuning in today, Joel, no matter what they're going through, um, God is not the one who is your enemy. He's not the one that's putting bad things that, that may be bringing you down in life a little bit. He's not the one. You do have an enemy in this life but it's not
0: God. One of the things that used to cause me to be really low emotionally or really high emotionally and never just never able to just to have a real peace from God was the fact that so many of the things that I did or didn't do had kind of become instead of things that I did out of a love relationship that I have with God, they kind of were rules and principles that I
1: tried to live by. We start listening to all these rules and eventually that becomes a burden, that becomes a chore, that becomes a task uh, that I have to put effort into just because that's the thing to do instead of out of just uh, the love of God. And One place where I was stuck for years and years was believing that my relationship with God revolved around what I did for Him. It's not that there wasn't any intimacy, but it was so off and on because I was relating to God through the ups and downs of my performance. And that's not how God measures things. I mean, that's not how relationships work. At least that's not the way it should be, and it isn't the way they work with God.
0: Not only just the Ten Commandments, of course, under the Old Covenant, but there were a, a total of around 610-plus laws. And what we've done in in our Christian lives is simply made up our, our own new rules, like prayer, uh, like sharing Christ with others. So many of these spiritual disciplines, you know, like reading the Bible and Things like going to church, we can make that out to be a rule.
1: There are so many different rules that we can start to, to formulate uh, within within the, our own uh, doctrines that it, it almost, it just makes the gospel to no effect sometimes. And as we grow in grace, hopefully we'll begin shedding
0: some of these rules and regulations and, and some of these things will become more of a, of a joy to us rather than something that we find as a daily duty that we have to fulfill. There's something about a a must. It, It must be done this way, or it should be done this way. I must do this, or I should do this, that takes away from the heart of a loving relationship with God. How is a person ignorant of God's righteousness? Is it through unholy living? Is it through doing all the wrong things and not doing the right things? No. Being ignorant of God's righteousness means seeking to establish your own righteousness by what you do if, if you're trying to, to establish your own righteousness you've not submitted to the righteousness of God the gospel message is not I used to do bad and now I do good that's not the gospel message and, and see in the church today it's like I've stopped doing all the bad things and started doing all the good things so that I can have Christ. And that's not what it's about. That's a that's a very twisted gospel. That's not the that's not the true gospel. The true gospel is I once was dead and now I'm alive because why? Because I gave up on my own efforts and I trusted solely in the righteousness that has been given to me as a gift from God.
1: And so everything can become a religious duty if we're not careful. Nothing wrong with quiet time, nothing wrong with devotions. But when it just becomes a religious obligation instead of something you want to do out of love or out of relationship, uh, then I think we've missed the point. Really, one of the things that operates the spirit of the world is money. And money is something you have to normally go out and earn, you work, and then you get it. Uh, with God, it's the other way around. The Spirit of God wants us to understand what has been freely given to us, and that you don't have to come up with formulas or, or uh, some sort of plan of action in order for you to receive these things, but it comes through faith and trust. The gospel is a revelation of God's righteousness. That we, after trusting in Christ, have been declared righteous by God because of the,
0: the finished work of Jesus. During that time, I stopped doing a bunch of bad things and I started doing a bunch of good things, thinking that that was the gospel. In essence, I really did think that because I had stopped doing a bunch of bad things and had started doing a bunch of good things, that I had followed the gospel, what happened there is the gospel to me, instead of becoming a gospel that's based upon God's righteousness, it became a gospel that was based upon me. It was a gospel that was based upon what I had stopped doing and what I had started doing, and in doing so, I really perverted the true gospel, because the gospel should be a matter of me trusting in something else other than the own changes. That I've made in my own life we got some major wasps around here Huge things that are flying all around Our neighbors are getting them And we're trying to figure out how to get rid of those guys Yeah, and I thought Jesus took the sting away
1: (laughs) He took the sting of death Oh, that was it uh, You know, there I am taking it out of context again
0: The name of our program, Mike, is Growing in Grace And what that means to us What that has come to mean is Not that we get more and more of God's grace but that He has already given us His grace, and we grow in that. We grow in our knowledge and our understanding of Jesus Christ. Because, yeah, sure, we're born again. We've received all of these things instantly, you know, because of God's grace. But our understanding of it, you know, we grow in that. And in order to to kind of live this stuff out, to live out our identity, we got to grow in it, and, and and it's a lifetime process.
1: We sing the songs that say, "Come, Lord Jesus, come," <laughs> uh, you know, trying to draw the presence of Christ into our midst come holy spirit god don't forget about us Uh, remember your children remember your people remember your promise we sing all these songs because that's what we've been raised in it's a form of religion where man reaches out to god instead of relationship which is what true christianity should be where god has reached out to man
0: the word repent actually means to think differently or afterwards that is to reconsider So, my definition that I had heard all my Christian life, change your behavior, isn't really what repentance means. It means to think differently or to reconsider. In other words, changing our mind to believe that God really does love us and that he is showering his love on us, rather than trying to go around, trying to change our life around so that we'll get God to love us.
1: Well, as Paul said, if righteousness comes through the law, If being right with God is based upon how well you perform, then Christ died in vain. In other words, there was no reason for him to come and die if you can attain to a a place of righteousness, right standing with God, through your good deeds. God is pleased with you. He is not angry with you.
0: The bottom line here is that when you do sin, when you do uh, things that don't line up with who you are, the righteous and holy person that you are, just remember that the blood of Jesus Christ has taken away your sin, you're no longer guilty, you're no longer condemned in front of God, and you can walk in freedom.
1: That's what makes this such great news, and that's why we have peace with God, because it's all about what He has done for us, not what we're going to be able to do for Him to keep our righteousness intact. He dealt with all of it right then and right there. Your sins past, present, and future were forgiven.
0: After each individual sin, if there was something that needed to be done, Jesus would have to come back each time, go upon the cross and sacrifice himself for each individual sin, but he did it one time. That was all that was needed. He did the one time sacrifice for sin forever, for all of our
1: past sins, present sins, and future sins. When Jesus Christ was crucified, and he cried out, it is finished, my understanding is the greek word it is finished can also be translated fulfilled as if the debt had been canceled it had been paid in full all of it sins forgiven forever through this one sacrifice not one that has to be repeated and so the implication here is that all sins are forgiven past present and future by this one offering and that uh, we have been perfected i
0: used to have a friend when i was younger His mom had this fruit bowl on the table, you go to take a bite of of some of the fruit, and you find out it's plastic. (laughs) It looks really good, but when you actually go to take a bite, you find that it's it's not real. And I think the fine line between the good works that we do through our own fleshly efforts and the good works that are actually done as a result of the life of Christ in us. That's a big difference. It's the difference between a kind of real fruit that's produced by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and fruit that kind of looks good, but really is the result of of our own fleshly efforts. Our identity has changed. We used to be sinner. Now we're saint. We used to be in the darkness, now we're in the light. We used to be separated from God, now we've been joined together with God.
1: Some of the people who did some of the worst things that you could possibly think of were the ones that God used the most. Going back to the very beginning and and you think of the the people like David and Moses and others and and Peter and the the different people that had all these problems and issues and uh, if they were alive today um, they would probably uh, have never become what they became, as we know in the scripture, because there would always be somebody there from the church telling them that they don't qualify for some reason. We have a hope in Jesus Christ that isn't based upon
0: ourselves and what we can do to sustain our salvation, but it's based
1: upon the body and blood of Jesus Christ. There are people in the church world today who would be looking down on him just like the Pharisees were. Because you know what? Jesus didn't, for some reason, he doesn't go out with the Dinka board for lunch after church is over. He's always hanging out with the hookers and the homosexuals and those drug dealers across town. Mm-hmm. He's always doing lunch and eating with them and hanging out with them. He never hangs out with us Christian people. I mean, you can almost imagine the the criticism and the the, the religiosity that would be thrown at Jesus if he were doing the same things today that he did a couple of thousand years ago when he was walking the earth. We don't really understand what uh, unconditional love is. It's just something we haven't experienced, and you probably won't experience, outside of your relationship with God, because he is the one who has perfect, unconditional love for you. And when I began to understand that, that I wasn't going to change how God thinks about me, I wasn't going to make Him angry by what I did or didn't do, He was going to love me the same. I was always going to be His. It had nothing to do with my performance. I couldn't make Him love me more, I couldn't make Him love me less. When that truth penetrated my heart, it changed my entire mindset about everything about me and God and the Gospel.